0: Book of Philippians Now I know we I, we got to verse 13 last week. I don't remember where we stopped. Huh? 17 Well, I'm going to back up to verse 13. All this that Paul says work out It's because God, which works in you, both the will and to do of His good pleasure. Not only does He work your will over and change your will. And boy, you know, a lot of people, boy, they don't like that that how dare you suggest interfering with my free will. I mean, religion's all over. People even in Baptist churches. I'm telling you that we need to understand that free will, you know what Spurgeon said about it? Free will is altogether foolish. We don't have a free will, meaning that a will that is totally unmoved by anything or anybody. The only one ever had that was Adam, and he exercised it and never been another one until the last Adam, Jesus Christ. If God doesn't change your will, Amen. our will is to not come unto Him. He said that in John 5, or John 8. Anyway, I think I've told you this years ago, having a conference or something, there a lot of preachers around, and they came over to the school. And uh came for chapel time. And Brother Bron always just he opened up chapel if he didn't have a speaker. He opened up chapel. You remember this? He'd say, lean over on the pulpit and he'd say, Anybody want to start anything? And he meant it. He didn't care where you went. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, so they some of those preachers, and I don't know why they should have they should have known better. Brother Braun Can God save you against your will? Brother Ron cleared his throat. As he always did. And he said, Brother, we were all saved against our will. Said it like that. And meant what he said. Because our will is, is bent against God. It's a depraved will. It is controlled by our depraved flesh. Now, it's not that there's somebody uh, coercion. It's our own depraved nature that controls our will. So, therefore, free will is not where it's at. But, as Psalm 110, I think I read it last time, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. Why will they be willing? Because God makes them willing. And then we come willingly. Nobody is dragged to Jesus Christ. Everybody that comes to Jesus Christ comes willingly. But it's because God's already done a work of grace in them. And he has changed their will. And there are people, oh no, he can't interfere with our will. man. Man's will is not... Stronger than God, well, a lot of people think it is and want it to be well anyway, verse fourteen, do all things without murmurings and disputings uh, i don 't know how to say about murmurings and sp- mouthings <laughs> murmur uh and disputings and arguing about. <laughs> we we have to do what we have to do. You got you to gotta go to work and make a living. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. I mean, you know, some people, they don't mind. They'll, they'll murmur and complain about anything or everything. We got to do what we've got to do. And we may as well go ahead and do it and honor the Lord with it. Because if you're murmuring and complaining and disputing about it, well, you watch, you tell some kids, you tell them to do something. And mouth on it. Mouth about it. Of course, some people, that'll get you picking your teeth up off the floor. You know, it used to be raised like that, and that wasn't such a bad way. Uh, but anyway, but do this without, do all things, now what does that all things mean? What does that comprise? All Do you think all things means all things? I think all things means all things. Are there ever jobs that you have to do? Then uh, they're at the foot doctor. He was just talking about somebody had a rental property and somebody stuffed a rag or something and it had been leaking out in a sewer pipe line. It had been leaking out under the house. It said it was awful to get under that. Well, sometimes there's stuff you've got to do. Things happen. Right? You have to, if you walk, if you cook, you've got pots and pans. If you didn't happen to get it off the stove in time, you got burnt stuff. Well, why complain? Why run your mouth about it? All that does is just make it worse. Do all things without murmuring. Wouldn't that include that? I believe it would. And all that does is get everybody else down. No, we're supposed to let things come out of our mouth that... Are edifying, building up to those uh, that are around us. So, and this is verse fifteen: that you may be blameless and harmless. Jesus said, "Be wise as serpents and harmless as doves." We're not to be harmful type people. We're to be harmless. Things happen. But we're not to be causing a harm and not bringing reproach and blame on us. That brings reproach on the Lord. The sons of God without rebuke. Well, I mean, God rebukes us, but I'll tell you what. This world can rebuke us and be in the right doing it. So the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked, And perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Boy, you think about that. A crooked, I think I told you that Greek word is scolios. Somebody has scoliosis of the spine, they're bent over like that. Because the spine is crooked. We're in a crooked nation. Look at the criminals that are in political office. I hope some of them get voted out here next week. I hope most of them get voted out. But then they're not limited to just one party. Uh, It's still a crooked nation and a perverse. That's a twisted nation. If you pervert something, you twist it. You change the use, the natural use of it. And among those kinds of folks, we ought to be shining as lights in the world. Well, if you've got a dark world, and it is a dark world. Matter of fact, in John 1, it said that they love darkness more than light. It is a sin-darkened world. That means it it doesn't have the light of God on it. But we are to shine in this sin-darkened world. We're to be examples of God working in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And so, we, boy, we need to remember that, don't we? Now, and what else are we doing as shining lights in the world, this darkened world, holding forth The word of life. When they see us. And they hear us. We're holding forth the word of life. Not death. This world loves death. No. We're holding forth the word of life. And especially eternal life. And Paul says that I may rejoice in the day of Christ. Obviously, the day of Christ is the day when the uh, uh, judgment seat of Christ will take place. He said, "Because that I I will find out that I had not run in vain, neither labored in vain. You all do like that. You'll show forth that I haven't run in vain, labored in vain. That the Lord has prospered the work that I He sent me to do. Yea, here's one hard to preach." Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. You realize what he's saying? If your faith and your service to the Lord, if it kills me, if it makes me be a martyr, and the possibility is very, very real. He said, That's no part no problem to me. He said, I will rejoice in it. I will joy and rejoice with you all for the same reason. Cause also do you joy and rejoice with me. He doesn't see he doesn't see a gloomy he's not gloomy gus. I don't think I ever learned how to pronounce the fellow's name right. I don't think there is any pronunciation for it. How many of you used to read Little Abner cartoon in the, fun, in the funny papers? Well, you got all Mammy and Pappy Yoakum and Little Abner and Daisy Mae, Mary and Sam, there's a bunch of them. But every now and then on those cartoons, here would come Joel, and I know the name started with an M, but it had all the letters we don't ever use—X's <laughs> and all this. Joel Mitz or something like that. Well, he's got a black umbrella hang- over his head, and it's bright, sunshiny everywhere. But there is a raging storm right above his head. Every place he went, he brought gloom and despair. I read a book, an obituary, I don't know, today. Yes, I read them all I can. Herald Leader still lets me get them. I don't know. I don't know they're going to start charging me for them. Anyway, soon, but anyway, uh, I don't know anything about it was a young woman, 38 years old or something. I don't know why she died. I think she had cancer or something. Anyway, they was talking about how that she would lighten up a room that she came into. Bring joy and happiness everywhere she went. And then there's some people they do just the opposite of that. They bring gloom and despair. That old boy I was at board ship with on the carrier. Ron Reynolds. I don't know if he's still alive or not. He was a little bit younger than me but you'd have thought he was 20 years older than me. He was from Oklahoma and his Family had a, a dude ranch in Manhattan Beach, California, where they, you go there and stay and ride horses and all that. So he was an Okie, but living transplanted Okie. And uh, he's the one who let me use his guitar to learn how to play guitar. He wouldn't show me anything about it, but he let me use his guitar. Anyway, anything would happen. Here was his statement. My wife knows it well. It's a bad situation, any way you look at it. And there must be a million ways to look at it. And I thought to myself, I can't imagine. I can't imagine a worse report than that. It's a bad setup, any way you look at it. And there must be a million ways to look at it. I think Joe Mitchell, him got along real good. And as that, if that... If you wasn't already depressed, if that wouldn't put you down into deep depression if you listened to it. But we're not supposed to be that way. As a child, we're holding forth the word of life. We don't have death, we've got life. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Believest thou this? Well. And Paul says now, Verse 19, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, that's Timothy, uh, shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Now Paul's worried about them. Where is Paul right now? He's in prison. (laughs) And he's worried about them. My, 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 my. You mean somebody actually is worried more about somebody else than themselves? If we can get rid of ourselves, I think we've been talking about that in this in this this book. I think we need to die out the self. Some people, the biggest the biggest thing on their mind is me. You ever talk to somebody and they say? Well, that's enough talking about you. Let's talk about me. <laughs> and but that's true that I may be of good comfort when I know your state. I'm worried about your the condition that you all are in at Philippi. Hmm. He said, "For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. I don't know anybody else that will." Be that concerned about you. You know, a lot of times people go, well, nobody's going to care about me. My first question I want to ask that person, exactly whom do you care for? Think about that. Well, nobody cares about me. Who do you care about? Can you tell me that you care about others more than yourself? And be honest, we should be able to say that. Well, you didn't come to visit me when I was in the hospital. How many people have you visited in the hospital before you went in the hospital? Oh, that's different. Yeah, because of the shoe's on your foot now. Anyway. Look verse twenty one for all (laughs) seek their own not the things which are Jesus Christ. Remember that now? Do you seek your own welfare? Or the work of Jesus Christ. Now Paul is not writing this to a bunch of preachers at a preacher's conference. He's writing this to church members. Oh well, I understand you like that because you're all preachers. That's not who he's writing to here. He's writing to church members. Look at 2 Timothy, real quick. This is what Paul charges, verse 6, chapter 4. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but in all, unto all them that also that love his appearance, or appearing. Well, Paul says, I trust in the Lord that I myself, I also myself, oh, wait a minute, I missed verse twenty-two. but you know the proof of him that as a son with the father, He hath served with me in the gospel. That is Timothy. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Paul has no idea how much longer he's got to live. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. So notice that Paul has the concern of all of the churches on his heart. Much more than his welfare. And he's saying we ought to do the same thing. Then he says, yet I suppose, verse 25, it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. Everybody say that, Epaphroditus. uh, My brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger... And he that ministered to my wants. So he's been a a helper of the Apostle Paul. But listen, listen to his. Do you think this attitude is not dominant amongst Paul and all the brethren with him? Here it is. But Epaphroditus, he longed after you all. That is the church members at Ephesus, at Philippi. and was full of heaviness because he was so sick. That's not what your Bible said. Because that you had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death. So Epaphroditus was sick about to die. I mean, I'll tell you what, I hear some complaints about some things, and I mean, people are making big complaints out of them. I had ingrown toenail. You're not going to live in this life and this body without some problems. And the older you get, the more you realize that. Am I right or wrong? You're even going to have pain. Sometimes it is excruciating pain. But look what Epaphroditus... He was sick unto death. That was not an exaggeration. That wasn't a hypochondriacal statement. You know what they did with the hypochondriac when he finally died on his tombstone? They wrote, See, I told you I was sick. And anyway, he wasn't concerned about himself. He was worried that these believers in this church had heard that he was sick unto death and they were worried to death about him. (laughs) He didn't didn't want to cause any kind of misery on them at all. I think that's that's a tremendous witness right there. For indeed, verse 27, he was sick near unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also. Lest. L-E-S-T is lest. It is not least. I hear preachers pronouncing that least. doesn't make sense. Least is a completely different word than lest. You could use unless with lest. Least is something... Minor. Has nothing to do with that. Preachers ought to know how to speak the language. Lest, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I send him therefore the more carefully that when y'all see him again, you may rejoice in that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. And hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ he was nigh to death. Not regarding his life to supply your lack of service toward me. He got himself in bad trouble taking care of Paul and neglecting himself. When there really ought to have been others taking care of Paul. That's what he's saying there. So you receive this fellow with joy and with gladness. And you receive him as a servant. And a fellow helper in the Lord. And so it says finally my brethren again rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you to me indeed. Is not grievous but for you it is safe. So. What I write to you, I'm writing to you for your benefit, for you to be safe. And it does not grieve me to have to tell you the truth. But i tell you what, I know a lot of pastors that it grieves them. They don't want to have to tell the truth to the churches. They don't want to have to preach the whole counsel of God. But Paul says it's not grievous to him. He said, but for you it is safe. He says, verse 2, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Look back at Isaiah 56. Verse 9. All ye beasts of the field come to devour, yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind, they're all ignorant, they're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. They are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, everyone, for his gain from his quarter. I think that helps you understand verse 2 of chapter 3 of Philippians. Now Isaiah is saying that to Jews, to religious fellows, priests. So who are these dogs? Now In these days, and in a lot of other places too, still is. Dogs are looked on as wild and you don't want to rant you. And that's the way the Jews looked at dogs. And they did call Gentiles dogs. The Soural Phoenician woman. Jesus said, I can't give the dogs... Food from the children's table. She said, Yay, Lord, but I just want some crumbs. So that dog was used of Gentiles. But here I can't help but believe that Paul is talking about Jews, Judaizing Jews. Judaizers are Jews that have been made a profession of faith and probably not really saved, but they're trying to corrupt. Gentiles into getting under the law. And I think that's who he's talking about. So he says, tells the Philippians, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Well, are the dogs and evil workers two separate things? Possibly, but they also could be the same thing. And then he says, beware of the concision. That would be mutilators. Well, that would have to be the Jews that were trying to force the Gentiles into getting circumcised to suit their tradition and their laws, their traditional laws. Paul says, for we are the circumcision." Ah uh, I think he's talking to the Philippians. We are the circumcision. If you if you search out circumcision, you find out, especially in the Old Testament, there was a circumcision of the heart which would be the same as the work of regeneration, the Holy Spirit inside. And so Paul says we are the circumcision. I think he's talking about spiritual Jews. Which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Well it has to be believers. The traditional Jews did not rejoice in Christ Jesus. They hated him and have no confidence in the flesh. We Gentiles, we have no confidence in the flesh. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, now Paul reminds us that he is a is an ethnic Jew born an ethnic Jew. But has been converted, has been born again, and become a true spiritual Jew. He says, but as far as having confidence in the flesh. why, if you wanted to have confidence in the flesh, I could do it more than all of you. He said, because... uh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I am more And here's what he has. I was circumcised on the eighth day. Come on, are you, are you with me now? Uh, are you just like I am? No, no, we're not like that. Well, you can't get any closer than that. Of the stock of Israel, of the stock of Jacob, Of the tribe of Benjamin. Ha! Benjamin's in the southern kingdom. And Hebrew of the Hebrews. As touching the law of Pharisee. Man, I was an outstanding Hebrew. I was a Pharisee. He was even on the on the Sanhedrin council, and concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Well, what church is he talking about? Church at Jerusalem, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Read Romans seven. He said, "I was alive without." The law once. But then the law came. Sin revived and I died. He just thought he had the righteousness of the law. Like the rich young ruler. But what things were gained to me. Those I counted loss for Christ. So what did Paul lose for Christ? name it, everything. First, he lost his family. We know he had a wife and children because he was on the Sanhedrin council and had to do that to be on the Sanhedrin. When a Jew becomes a believer, a Christian, they have a funeral for him. They put up a tombstone. They declare the death of that Jew. That's how much they have to give up to become a child of God. I'll tell you what, I see a lot of people, a lot of Gentiles, say, yes, I love the Lord, but I can't leave the Catholic Church because that's where all my family is. Well, who do you love? You mean your family is more important than following the Lord? Well, could be. Many of them say it. Anyway, so he lost his family. He lost his money. Lost his good eyesight on the road to Damascus. And lost his big reputation amongst his own people. How did he come out of Damascus after three years there? They had to lower him over a wall in a basket at nighttime so he could go get out of there with his life. And what has he lost since then? Pretty much all of his freedom, pretty much all of his health. he had been beat to death. He's lost just about everything. I don't know what else he could have. I mean, he did have plenty of money. Remember he had said, bring me the parchments, and some coats, but especially the parchments. He didn't have a coat to wear. And he says, yea, doubtless, and I count all things, <laughs> but loss. Well, everything is lost, family, friends, kin, Money. Wealth, reputation, health. He said, I count them all but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Now, I don't have to learn all that stuff, really. For excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. is what we've been talking about. And do count them but dumb that I may win or gain Christ. Jesus said, Seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Paul says, I want to gain Christ. And all of these things are nothing but just loss." That's all they count for. And be found in him. Not having mine own righteousness. Which is of the law. But that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith. That's the earned righteousness of Jesus Christ. Paul's righteousness had nothing to do with it. My righteousness has nothing to do with it. My flesh has nothing to do with it. Paul's flesh had nothing to do with it. Our flesh, none of us has anything to do with it. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you ever get feeling like maybe there's something I'm not really getting into? And there probably is. The power. Well, I know we believe the resurrection of Christ. But do you ever just get in there and, and, and just pray the Lord give you understanding on it? The power of his resurrection. He said, I have power to lay down my life. And I have power to take it up again. All you have to do is look at a dead body. And that dead body is over with, it ain't coming back. You look in a coffin, not trying to be morbid, but the fact is, people want to hold on to that body. That body's done for. It really is. Ain't no sense trying to hold on to that body. Let's protect it in copper or gold or whatever. That body ain't going no place but where it's gone. And it ain't going to do. It ain't going to rot by itself. It can't even rot. That takes bacteria working from without. That body's done for. Well, Jesus Christ was just as dead. Now, all these rationalists, liberals, they try to say that Jesus only swooned on the cross and the coolness of the tomb revived him. What idiots. Well, the same ones believe that all the material in the universe was as big as a pinhead. So, I mean, they may have intelligence, but it it sure ain't headed the right way. (laughs) But that we might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Boy, the apostle Peter didn't want to enjoy that for a while, did he? I mean, was he warming himself at the fire of the Romans? And is it, oh, you talk like one of them Galileans. I'm not me. I'm a fisherman. I ain't one of them. He didn't want to get connected with Jesus. He didn't want to fellowship his sufferings. <laughs> Look what they're doing to him. They will do the same thing to me. And ultimately they did. But he was in a different frame of mind by then. Being made conformable unto his death. Well, how would that be? To be made conformable unto his death. Well, he had it all. He gave it all up. Came into this world born of a woman. Made under the law. Poor. And the son of man had not where to lay his head. He gave it all up. For the will of God. And then he. Went to the cross. And went through. Punishment that no human being could ever go through and survive it. Of course, he died. Not for his own sins. But for all of the sins of all of his people. He did that for somebody else. (laughs) Now, how are you going to get conformable to his death? Well, there you are on the way right here. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now that's, that's his resurrection. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. If that I may apprehend. That for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. He grabbed a hold of me for a purpose. Did He grab a hold of you for a purpose? If you're saved, He grabbed a hold of you for a purpose. And Paul says, all this is necessary in attaining unto all that to apprehend, grab a hold of that which He grabbed a hold of me for. Brethren, I have to have apprehended but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, he kind of talks about it as a, in a race. We keep going. Doesn't mean you got to run full speed or not able to run full speed. You can just go... However you can go. But you're still pressing forward toward the mark. Of the prize of the high calling. What is the high calling? Paul said it in Timothy. He said that I. Am ready. To be offered. And to receive my crown of righteousness. That's what he's talking about here. Let us therefore as many as be. Complete. Perfect. Perfect. Be thus minded, and if in anything you be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. If you haven't got your mind straightened out, you pray God will help you get it straightened out. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. We don't want to walk with them. And those, their end is destruction whose God is their belly meaning that they are walking after their flesh and whose glory is in their shame Who mind earthly things. We've talked about that. There's LGBTQ. Homosexuals. Lesbians. Baby murderers. Abortionists. They are are glorying in what should be their shame. For our conversation, our conduct is in heaven. So Why you just think about heavenly things? You know earthly good. No, that's not true. Our conduct should be in heaven, modeled after heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, because well, that's where He is, and He is our example. Who Jesus Christ shall change? Our vile body. We haven't got out of that yet folks. Even with all of this. Even if we begin to get our minds straightened out somewhat. We have not advanced beyond this vile body. That it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. According to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. And that ought to be important to you. Because He is able. He is able Himself to subdue. Control all things. Unto Himself. Well what could stop Him from. Resurrecting our bodies. Nothing. But well, what has he got to overcome? Death, the grave, rot, corruption. But he's able to subdue all things.